What's going on, everybody? Hey, so um, I actually have something I want to give to all of you as a group at the end, and I left all of them in my office. Um, so if, oh, shoot, I think my office is closed. If I, can get some, if I can get one of our staffers to run there and grab it off my desk, it's a whole thing of verses on there, that would be awesome. If you don't make it back in time, which I assume you do, um, I'll just read them to the leaders. All right. Um, so I'm going to pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. Lord, thank you for even just that last song, um, just for how much you love us, Lord God, that you, I think of you love us enough to not let us keep running away in the midst of our sin. You're not allowing your children just to keep running and doing their thing and destroying their lives. You keep reminding us. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight's message, even though it's going to be a difficult one, um, God, I pray that you would um, allow this to be something where the students that are following you, the students that know you and love you, Lord God, whether it be for years or even just today, Lord, I pray that this will be a reminder of how deeply you love us because you're willing to allow us to hear hard things to help us to run back to you. I pray you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys, so listen, on Friday, Friday night, I took my daughter, and we went, came up here to the church, and we watched the, uh, watched the play Beauty and the Beast, which was awesome. I thought you guys did a great job. Over half of you, I feel like, were in the play, which is, which is really cool. Um, but it was, it was actually really, really well done. Um, halfway through it, I was like, no, I should, I should go back home and watch this. And now, you know, you're looking like, Dave, you're 6'2", 200, 6'3", 290, yeah, 290 pounds. I know it. Um, why are you going to watch this movie? Because it's a good movie. It's a good movie. We were doing, I was doing some brackets with my family today, like the, the Disney brackets and everything like that, and it, it was a struggle. So I was like, there were some, I was like, man, I really like this movie. I got all the feels when I was like a 10-year-old watching this movie, but this movie's so good. Like, listen, there was one, it was Zootopia against Toy Story, and I remember when, I, when Toy Story first came out, that jump was amazing. And it still is good. And then when Zootopia came out, which was like five or six years ago, something like that, I was laughing like the entire movie. Like the portion when they're like in the DMV, and if you haven't seen it, when and she goes, it's night, man. I was like on the floor. It was hilarious. It was so good. But anyway, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. If you have watched it before, go watch it again because it's great. Um, I'm not going to tell you who won because you might ridicule me. But anyway, so anyway, I went and watched uh, Beauty and the Beast, and it was really good. It was, it was really well done. Um, there were a lot of things that stood out to me, but one of the things that stood out to me, there were two major ones that stood out, and one was my boy who's in my D group. I think all of my guys, except for one of my D group guys, was actually in the play, which is cool. But Gaston, Matthew Godfrey, where, where are you? Just go ahead and stand up. This dude, I was like... I was like, he was meant to play this role. I mean, you want to give, well, you don't have to do it, but I'll do it for you. I mean, he was walking around like this. He was flexing for the ladies, flexing on the haters. So he was doing this thing. It was, it was awesome. I was like, this dude is, this is ridiculous. If he does this in our D group, I'm going to have to make him leave them. Um, but he did an awesome job. Uh, but one of the other things that really stood out to me was the prince in the beginning. And it was crazy because um, I was just like, oh, my goodness. It just kind of it went so well, I believe, with the message that we're going to be talking about today. And it was just the, um, when the, 
the old beggar lady came up to him, it really showed, it revealed his heart in that moment um, when he rejected her. And just the ease at which he rejected her, it showed the condition of his heart. And I was like, man, that is, that is huge. That is huge. And, it, it, and it, like I said, it goes back to the message that we're talking about today. And the point I want to make overall today is this, is that temptation starts within our hearts. You see that in James chapter 1. Temptation isn't something that's just something from the outside. It's not just all these bad things. It's something we, our hearts are sinful. And that's why we need Jesus. And so, no, God does not tempt us like James says. It says it starts within our hearts, and that's when we are dragged away and enticed. But it also says this. It says that we must, in, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, it talks about we need to take, the, um, take captive the thoughts that we have. You see, the beast, the prince, before he became the beast on the outside, he was definitely a beast on the inside. He had wealth, he had fame, he had power, he had all the things that he wanted. He had all the things. But on the inside, he had let his heart turn into a mess. How great and awesome he may have looked on the outside, his house, his heart was a wreck. And so the story we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about David and Bathsheba, it's a lot of the same thing. David had all of the things he ever could have wanted. But his heart in this moment was a wreck. So we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses, um, chapter, chapters 11 and 12. Let me make sure I get to the right thing. And um, it made me think, I, I was actually talking to a friend of mine yesterday, and he sent me a text. He was actually hanging out with W, George W. Bush, former president. And in the conversation, he said this, um, the president, former president said this. He said, my walk of faith isn't a straight line, but I'm on it. It was easier to stay in that line under the pressure of the presidency. Now that I'm away from it, now it takes more work. So I have to be more in the word every day because right now I'm a half jumper, but I want to jump all the way in. So in the story here that we're gonna tell, David was, he was half jumping in this moment. It starts out like this. I'll read the first five verses, and it says, In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and, uh, and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliim, and the, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I am pregnant. So I want to unpack that just a little bit because God is good. Like I was saying in the prayer, God is not going to let us just keep going and going and going and just having our own way. When he, we are his children, he will put stop signs up for us so that we don't go too far. But we have to stop. 
So what happened in the story? You see, David says, in the time when kings normally go out to war, where was David? He was at home. He was just chilling. He's like, hey, you guys got this. You guys go have some fun and do whatever you want to do. He was like, you see, um, what I just read from our former president, he said he was, I think David was half jumping by this point. He had stepped away a little bit from the pressure of war and stepped away from the pressure of, the, of, his, of being the king. And so because of that, he wasn't on it as much as he should be. He wasn't on the front lines of battle literally and figuratively like he should have been. And so he got lazy. He was in the wrong place. And so as he's looking at this, as he, he's um, looking out over his city, he sees Bathsheba. He sees her bathing. He's like, okay. And, and so he sent someone to go get her. So first stop sign, he should have been out at war. And he wasn't. Second thing, he sees, he sees this lady. Instead of being like, oh, I need to go inside, he's like, let me continue to look. And then from there, he goes, hey, why don't you go find out who this lady is? Here's another stop sign. They say, hey, she's the wife of, that's all you need to know. Step away, David. But that didn't work. So it says, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. <laughs> it's fine. It's a phone, guys. We've heard them before. It's the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So in case you don't know this, Uriah was one of David's 30 mighty men, one of his mighty warriors, one of his most faithful, one of his most valiant warriors, in, in that, that they, they were the best of the best of the best. He was potentially even David's friend. I don't know that for sure, but if you're that close, if you're one of the best guys in war, David was a warrior himself. And so because of that, he definitely knew who Uriah was. And so instead of him stopping, he's like, that's okay. I'm the king. I got this. So he sleeps with her, and she becomes pregnant. And when he finds out, again, another chance for him to stop and to ask for forgiveness. Listen, David was known as a man after God's own heart. And it wasn't just because he wrote all of these wonderful psalms. It wasn't because he had killed a giant and these lions and these bears and all of that. He was known after a man of God's own heart because of this. Because when he messed up, and David messed up multiple times, he ran to Jesus. He ran back to a God who he knew he could get forgiveness from who he would plead and say, God, I need you. Forgive me for messing up. But he didn't in this moment. And so he was like, okay, well, this is all messed up. I got to do something. So he said, hey, Joab, why don't you have Uriah come in from battle so he can just relax and he can have a good time. So Uriah shows up. He says, hey, man, listen, you've been at war. You had a fight with the Ammonites. Now you're laying siege to the, um, the city of Rabah. Why don't you just relax just take a rest, go home, be with your wife, all of that. And so he sends him away, and the next morning David walks out, and just outside the palace he sees Uriah sleeping. He's like, what are you doing here? And he was like, well, listen, David, my, my king, the Ark of the Covenant is under a tent. The presence of God that goes with us out to battle, it's under a tent. My commander, Joab, he's out there sleeping under a tent. My brothers in arms, maybe even my literal brothers, my, my peers, all of those guys, these soldiers, they are out there at battle. How can I be here laying with, laying with my wife? How can I be here at home just relaxing and chilling and having a good time? How can I be here when those guys are out there? 
fighting for our country, fighting for our God, fighting for you, our king. Another stop sign. So what happens then? David's like, well, that didn't work. Well, I can do this. So he said, hey, Joab, hang out for another day. And he gets, uh, he gets Joab drunk. That was his mindset, because if I can get him drunk, if nothing else, he'll go home and sleep. And whether he sleeps with his wife or not, I don't care. He could be so drunk that he doesn't even know it. But he'll at least think that when this baby's born, it was most likely mine, you know? He'll be good. Well, again, he sends Joab, sends him out. The next morning he walks out, and Joab is the same spot, doing the same thing, sleeping. I can't go out to battle. I can't stay here with my friends when they're at battle fighting. And so David says... All right, I'm going to blow through another stop sign. I'm going to get a hold of Joab and say, hey, Joab, listen, I'm sending Uriah back out to you, and I want you to put him on the front lines. I want you to put him where the battle is the most fierce. Remember, Uriah is one of his close, potentially his friend. And he says, hey, go send him out there. He gets the message back a little bit later on saying that Uriah has died in battle. So David's like, sweet, we're good. There's no issue now. So he takes Bathsheba in to be his wife. And again, I said, God loves us. He loves his kids. He's not going to let us just keep going and going and going. And so he sends the prophet Nathan to David. And Nathan comes to David and he tells him the story in chapter 12. He says, hey, listen, there's a story. There's these two guys. One is rich and one is poor. The poor man, the only thing he has as far as property is this lamb, and he loves this lamb. It says the lamb even eats from his plate. Like, he loves this thing. Well, the the rich man, he had a guest come into his home. Instead of going to his herd, his massive flock of sheep, and killing one of his, he goes and steals the poor man's lamb. He kills it and prepares that for his guest. And David is furious. He's like, what? How can that happen? Who is this man? Bring him here. David is, he is incensed. And Nathan says, you are that man. He says, you took your friend Uriah the Hittite, and because you wanted his wife to be yours, you murdered him. And what does David do? He goes before a God he knows who can and is hopefully in his mind, willing to forgive, and he just lays out before him and says, God, forgive me. God tells him that his, the child that his wife is pregnant, well, his wife is pregnant with will not live, and he just lays out and says, God, forgive me, and he just weeps and pleads before God for forgiveness. The story is not a happy ending. The baby does, it does die. But we see in the story that temptation, when we don't take captive our thoughts, can have not just bad results, but they can even have horrific consequences. When you think of the story of Beauty and the Beast, one thing I saw, again, I, I watched a part of it yesterday morning just to remember um, this one scene, and you see, the, you see that he has a mirror He has this magic mirror that he can look into, 
And as he's looking into it, he can see what's happening on the outside world because he's trapped within his castle because he's a beast. And he knows he can't leave. My brothers and my sisters, God has given us a mirror as well. He's given us his word where we can look into his word and we can see what is going on in our hearts because he loves us enough for us to do that, for us to be able to see that. Psalm 119, 9 through 11 says it this way. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's another way that I, I read it as well. You could throw that up. And it says, how can a young person live a clean life be, uh, by carefully reading the map of your word? I'm single-minded in pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs you've posted. I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart so I won't send myself bankrupt. Guys, we have to be in the word of God. I asked you guys last week, you know, just talking about purity. I asked you guys last week saying, hey, listen, um, when you're with the opposite sex, are you asking, you know, how far can I go or how much can I honor them? I want to take a step back because before you even get there, I have a question for you. And that's this. Are you protecting yourself? Because you're not going to protect someone else if you're not protecting yourself. You have to be in God's word so you know what to do. Um, it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, this is something that I memorized when I was in high school. I think it was in ninth grade. It says, no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. Seized you except that which is common to man. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God is good. And he wants you to be able to protect yourself, so he's giving you his Holy Spirit. He's giving you his word. He's giving you his people. So let me ask you this. Are you using, his, using the mirror that he has given you? Are you in his word? Are you reading it? Are you memorizing it? And, and on top of that, are you applying it to your life? Do you have people in your life that can hold up the word of God through their lives and through the things that they do and the things that they say so that they can help you continue to walk well? We can't half jump. We have to be all the way in. I mean, because we have temptation that it starts in our hearts, we have to be able to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. We need to be like our boy Joseph. When Potiphar showed up, he fleed temptation. He was like, I'm out. I'm gone. We need to put on the full armor of God so we can stand strong against the devil's schemes. So when he's shooting his fiery darts, we have the shield of faith and we have the sword of the Spirit. Guys, we have to be in his word. Jesus said, I will send my Holy Spirit so he can remind you of everything that I have taught you. But you can't be reminded of something that you never knew. We have to be in his word. We have to be in his word. 
I'm going to pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for my brothers and sisters in here, for my friends that are here, Lord God. Lord, this message is just as much a challenge to me as I hope it was for them. Lord, you told Joshua when he was going into battle, when he was going to lead your people, you said, be strong and courageous. But you also tell him to be in your word, to meditate on it day and night until he can be careful to do everything that's written in it. Then he will be prosperous and successful. That's because he's living his life according to what you have laid out for us. So I pray for these students, Lord, as they are in this time in their lives, when they're in middle school, while the cement is still wet, Lord, may they put your word in their lives. May they put it deep within that cement. May it be the foundation for their lives now so that as they get older, as they grow up, as they go through whatever it might be, whether it be tomorrow or 30 years from now, Lord, they know the God that they serve. They trust the God that they serve because you've proved yourself faithful over and over and over again. You've reminded them of who they are and who you are because of your word. Lord, we love you and we praise you and we give you our lives, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one thing I have for you guys, and Travis brought them up, um, I have a list of verses that I would love for you guys to do just to kind of read through them in your group time. Um, Also, I challenge you to do this. I challenge you to take a passage or a verse or whatever and memorize it as a group. Hide God's word in your heart as a group. Help each other out. Hey. Thanks, y'all.